2: out there. This is Betty Jo Tucker thanking you for tuning in to Movie Addict Headquarters. We have a very special show for you today, folks, because you'll be hearing a taped interview with Hugh O'Brien, one of the few remaining classic Western stars who is probably best known for portraying Wyatt Earp on TV. But he's also appeared in many movies, including The Shootist, Ten Little Indians, Come Fly With Me, There's No Business Like Show Business, and Twins. Hugh will be talking about his acting career as well as how Albert Schweitzer changed his life and his very successful youth leadership project called Hobie. Happily, with the help of his lovely wife, Virginia, Hugh has also written a memoir titled Hugh, O'Brien, or What's Left of Him?, just in time to celebrate his 90th birthday. We're so pleased that you and Virginia took time to tape this interview with us. Nikki Starr, our producer extraordinaire, was with me a few days ago during the taping, and I want to bring her on now. Nikki, what stands out to you about this interview?
1: I think what stood out the most, well, there's a couple of things, but his the love between him and his wife was very touching. And the story about how they met and the work that they're doing together really made an impact on me.
2: I agree with you. I, I hadn't ex- ex- uh, expected that, and uh, I was very uh, moved by that uh, relationship. And now, now, before playing the tape, I want to mention that the chat room is open. I see Nancy Lamar from Comedy Concepts is already signed in, and we do encourage... Um, our listeners to sign up for the chat. We really appreciate them. And Before we play the tape, which runs about 45 minutes, I want to call on two of our favorite film critics, Diana Sanger from Classic Movie Guide and film historian James Colt Harrison, because they recently met Hugh O'Brien in person and visited him. I understand their visit was uh, was rather lengthy. At his home, Diana, what impressed you the most about Hugh O'Brien in your interview session?
3: Well, there were several things. (laughs) First of all, it was just a delight to meet him. And and he was just so courteous. And, I mean, you know, the man's probably been interviewed a thousand times by a thousand people, but he really treated us like we were very special. And he just couldn't... um, you know give us enough things he had around the desk gadgets and and show us things and but just that he was still he was still just Hugh you know and at 90 what is he 97
0: no 90 90, mm-hmm.
3: 90 yes so um it was just it was just so cute how you know he just really took care of us i just really appreciated that
2: Well, I I know how you feel because um, when you'll hear the interview and how how polite and cordial and gentlemanly he is. And, James, I'll ask you the same question. What was there about Hugh O'Brien that impressed you the most during that visit?
0: Well, I think his uh, Marine training really shows. Uh, I was in the Seabees myself, which is part of the Navy, but we worked a lot with Marines. And Uh they are so courteous and, and gentlemanly. And uh, Mr. O'Brien is still like that. He's, he's very much a Marine, once a Marine, always a Marine. And uh, he, at, believe it or not, even at 90, he's still a very handsome man, gray hair now, but still very good-looking and fit.
3: Well, and at that's, 17, that's he was it. the youngest Marine Corps drill instructor, 17 yes. years old.
0: Yes, he was, <laughs> Yeah, at 17. <laughs> he lied about getting never- in, I think. I think he did, and he's never forgotten that.
2: He's really, really proud, uh, really proud of that, and uh, he mentions that also in uh, in our interview. Well, because Hugh's uh, birthday is coming up in a few days, I think it's on uh, the nineteenth. Um, James, do you have a birthday message you'd like to send him? Well, yes,
0: I wish him many, many more birthdays because. He's still a very lucid man, a very well-educated man, well-spoken. He has a thousand stories to tell you, and he could go on forever, which he almost did because he kept us there for four hours, and he didn't want <laughs> to let Diana go. He kept saying that she was my wife, and we kept saying, No, no, we're just friends. <laughs> and he signed He signed a picture for me. Uh, to Jim, you are so lucky to have Diana. <laughs> Great. Well, that could still be true. Well, that it is true. Yes, it is true. But she's not my wife. And I and I understand that he
2: invited you both to his birthday bash. So uh, he did. I guess yes, I don't know did. whether yeah.
4: you're
2: whether you're planning a, on going or not. But uh, he's he's just he just comes across as being such a, a generous gentleman, and uh, you'll hear more about more of the way, he, the way he treats people during the interview that's coming up. But how about you, Diana? Do you have a 90th birthday message for you?
3: I would like to say I just hope your day is as wonderful as your life has been. I know you're going to be with just special people who love and adore you, and the ones that still love and adore you aren't there just wish you to have the most blessed day you could have.
2: Uh, well said, Diana. I'm sure that you will love those messages, and I I want to thank thank you both so much for calling. And you know how jealous I am that you had that much that much time with <laughs> you. But so thank you, Diana and James. And of course, you're welcome to stay uh, for the rest of the show. And uh, but if not. Uh, uh, that's fine, too, because I know uh, if you've spent four hours with him, you've probably heard some of the <laughs> stories that uh, that he's going to tell. But now let's hear from Hugh O'Brien himself. Just a little warning, though. Hugh and I both have hearing problems, so please be patient with us. And if you do that... I think you'll really enjoy this revealing and fascinating interview. Hi, is this uh, is this uh, Virginia or Hugh or both? Both. 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 Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, this is this is Betty Jo Tucker and my my uh, uh, extraordinary producer is on the line too, and I know that uh, she's real excited about that. Uh, Hugh, how are you today?
4: Uh, let me look. When you get to be uh, ninety, which I'll be on April nineteenth, you got to check things out about five times a day. Not
2: everything
4: gets <laughs> up. Not everything gets up at the same time.
2: <laughs> well, I I feel the same way. I'm I'm not uh, too far from that myself. So I I don't check uh, uh, that often, but I do have to check a couple of times a day. And you, uh, Hugh, I want you to know that this is the first time we have ever had a guest who's an actor, a humanitarian, a patriot and an author all rolled up in one. So you're you're kind of uh, making uh history for our show here and we're just so uh in awe of everything that that you've done. I want to congratulate you on your many accomplishments.
4: Well, thank you very much but I'd like to make uh, one thing clear in the very beginning, okay?
2: Okay. I am
4: not an actor, and I have seven oh, shows on Broadway. you could have me. Excuse me. <laughs> I have seven shows on Broadway. Wow. 33 films and approximately 450 television shows to prove that I'm not an
2: actor oh <laughs> you didn't prove it to me <laughs> i i've i've seen some of the, i've seen some of the tv shows and some of the movies you were you uh you had just started out in in hollywood when i was uh just uh, in in high school and so uh you know my my heart goes pitter pat kind of remembering uh remembering those days and okay, you really
4: is your husband yeah. with you?
2: It's going pitter pitter patter. <laughs> so I never thought that I'd be that I'd be actually talking to Hugh O'Brien and I'm so glad that I am not but you really are one of our few remaining classic movie stars and I'm so happy that you did this um memoir. I love the title Hugh or Brian or what's left of him? What a what a great name for a book, and that shows that you have you you still have your sense of humor. <laughs> and I, I I wanted to start out by asking you why you decided to write your autobiography.
4: Why I wrote, wrote the book? Yes. Well, because that's the only way I could get uh there were quite a few people involved but the main one my dear wonderful beautiful wife who uh, she's uh, the greatest lady i've ever known and i'm very very lucky to uh, uh agreed to marry me but she's also the best cook in the world
2: oh and, you are so uh, lucky say pardon you're so lucky
4: I am lucky, and uh, bottom line is that uh, I'm, I'm, I, I, many lucky things have happened to me along the way, but uh, the most important thing is uh, our relationship. It really has meant a great deal to me, and uh, I've agreed to be buried wherever she wants me to go. So,
2: oh, that. That's lovely. Well, think, <laughs> so lovely. I
4: and I understand we'll do, that
2: you two... Um, I think what we'll, well do I,
4: I said I think what we'll do is that we'll uh, put the coffin, which will be made out of wood, by the way. I don't want it fancy. And uh, okay. we'll put it at Costco and uh, ask people to sign it and We'll charge him
2: ten bucks apiece. <laughs> you will. You're still thinking show show biz, show biz. <laughs> so I understand that uh, uh, a friend of our show actually um, uh, sang for the two of you at your wedding, which took place when you were eighty years old. Uh, uh, do I understand that right? Was that Debbie Reynolds?
5: Debbie Reynolds sang at our wedding. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Talk
2: about that, Hugh.
4: Yeah, the, uh, oh. well, I met, uh, when I was in the Marine Corps, I came up to Hollywood, to the Hollywood Canteen, because they always had great food and everything. And uh, one of the people I met there was Ida Lapino And she yeah. interviewed me to, uh, well, I did the blind date. Program And it turns yeah. out that uh, there was a representative from each of the armed forces, Marine Corps, Army, Navy, and Coast Guard. And then the, uh, the star, uh, whoever was uh, doing it on that particular show, in this case Virginia Mayo, would choose which one she would have the day with. And she asked a series of questions, and she, uh, the final question, uh, I was, a, well, the final question was, why do you really want a date with me? And when it got to my turn to answer that, why do you really want a date with me, Murray? I said, because, ma'am, if I don't win... I can't go back to the base, so uh, whatever it takes. And she chose me, and we went to the uh, Ambassador Hotel beautiful ballroom there. And first time I'd ever seen anything like that. And the next day, uh, well, she wanted me to uh, meet some of her uh, friends and she was doing a film with uh, uh, Sam Goldens studio, Sam Golden and I went there and she was doing uh, a show called the uh, gosh I'm trying to remember what it was now. one way or the other it was about uh, about beautiful women and so forth and uh she said, I are you free uh for dinner? I said, Well, uh, yes I am she said, Well, come with me and I have a place that I'm gonna take you which I think you'll enjoy and she took me to what was called the House of Seven Garbos, which was the the,
2: the House of Seven Garbos
4: off of uh, Sunset and Sweetser. And there were 23, 24 of the most beautiful girls in in the world who were living there. And uh, Marie Cody, the house mother, she was very, very good to them but also very reasonable and she was the best damn cook in the world. And uh, (laughs) anyway, the... uh, after having lunch and everything, she said, where are you going to stay, Uh when you get out of the mink? I say, well, I don't really know. I'm, I haven't really decided. But I thought I'd try to find a place up here in um, Hollywood where all the beautiful gals are. She says, well, that makes sense. I'm going to take you to a place called the House of Seven Graves And she <laughs> took me to this place. Sweetser and uh, Sunset strip, And there were about 23, 24 of the most gorgeous starlets in the world, the most absolutely beautiful, that were mm. all uh, in some way involved or trying to become involved uh, in uh, showbiz. Yeah.
1: And I
4: had lunch every two Why don't you come here and stay here in the garage and come with me. Let me show you. And she took me out in the back there, and there was this unbelievable building. It was a uh, four-place garage, room for four cars and storage. And she said, you can make yourself a little home here and... uh, you know, you could uh, pay to use the swimming pool, tennis court, whatever. And I said, wow, that's great. so I did, and then uh, the gals started asking me to do things, and they would repay me by, uh, well, let's put it frankly, by making love to me. And I mm-hmm. finally, after I lost about... Forty-eight pounds. I went to Maria, <laughs> and I said, "I don't think I can do this anymore."
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> and, uh, and one way or the other, uh, I, I got the gals to uh, pay me in different ways, rather than just other than having just sex with them. But it was a great experience, and I, I still, whenever I go by that. It's now a big apartment building. But I remember that area so well. Well,
2: no wonder. (laughs) No wonder that you would. Well, how did you meet Debbie Reynolds?
4: How did I what?
2: Meet Debbie Reynolds.
4: How did I meet her? Uh Uh-huh. I had a... uh, an appointment that was set up by uh I think it was Ida for me to go uh meet a couple people at MGM. Oh uh, that's called mayor. Yeah, uncle Louie. She was under contract there and uh I met her and I you basically said to her, I said, uh, Debbie, you're the most beautiful young lady I've ever met, and I've, I would appreciate it very much if you would do me a great favor. She said, what's that? I said, would you give me a kiss on the cheek or forehead? And she said, are you kidding? I can do better than that. She wrapped me in her arms and gave me a great big smooch, and we remain friends ever since. She's a a terrific lady, and she's also a damn smart businesswoman. I agree. I consider her one of my best friends.
2: Well, uh, she she's definitely been a good friend of ours here on movie Addict headquarters. And I was wondering uh, what motivated you to go into showbiz. Now I I was going to say to become an actor, but you don't think you're an actor, (laughs) but I do. But what motivated you to choose that that business? Well,
4: uh, it just kind of happened. The, Uh, One of the people I was mowing lawns for, as I said, I had cards made up said exterior decorator on it. And I wound up uh, doing almost every lawn, Westwood, Santa Monica, Beverly Hills, Hollywood. I wound up having about 50 guys working for me, and uh, one of them said... uh, I mean, we've got this role for you, this part, and um, could you do it? And it sounded like fun. Anyway, I did in and the next thing you know, I had uh, a lot of agents trying to sign me up. And uh, I just decided that it was kind of a fun a stop on my way to Yale and becoming a... An attorney. And uh, I wound up uh, playing attorneys and got paid a lot more, so it turned out to be a fun decision. And uh, one way or the other, I was, uh, as I was saying, I was dating Debbie and she was doing a show. And, uh,
5: Excuse me. I'm going to. I
4: went to the rehearsal, and the leading man uh, on that particular evening didn't show. So the director said, "You, why don't you? Uh, why don't you read the role? That would help everybody." And so she handed me the script, and I said, "Well, what do, what do I do?" She said, "Well, first of all, turn it upside down. You got it backwards." <laughs> when 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 the person talks uh, and you see your name and right after they finish you say your lines as they're written and uh, it turned out to be fun and also quite laughable for everybody because <laughs> I was so dumb and stupid the way I would read it <laughs> but it uh, it was the beginning of a fun
5: a uh, career
2: in the business. I'm well, when did your here. big break?
5: Debbie Reynolds at that time. She would have been much too young. This is when he was dating a gal that lived at the House of the Seven Garbos. And oh, in order, I
2: see, Virginia.
5: He would have to go to rehearsal to see her, and then this is how this happened when the leading man was really sick, and then they asked Hugh if he could possibly fill in. And then one thing led to another, and he finally ended up getting into show business.
2: Well, I'm so glad it's, that, it, uh, that he did. Yeah.
4: It turned out to be a very fun career. And I get the pleasure of talking to people like you and uh, all over the world. And I can tell you that... Uh, my first trip to London after the show was running uh, I just couldn't believe it. There would be mobs waiting outside of the Dorchester Hotel where I was staying wanting to take a picture or shake my hand or uh, you know sign my name and uh, I just decided that the way to handle that was to be, uh, do it, get it done with. Otherwise, uh, they would chase you all over London until they they got you sitting down someplace. And that turned out to be one of the smart things that I did. Yes. And I, I uh, then went to quite a few other countries, and uh, the show was very, very popular. That's just-
2: Are you talking about Wyatt Earp, the Wyatt Earp TV show?
4: uh, Yes, but I also went on a lot of uh, trips uh, before the Wyatt Earp series. And uh, one way or the other, uh, whatever, I just uh, played the game and did what I could to uh make them happy and smile and I found it took much much less time to do that than to try to say no and avoid them. Because then they'd really pester you to death.
2: Good idea. Whatever. Do you have any favorite roles that you played in the movies? Since this is movie addict headquarters, we we love to hear about yeah, uh, I, uh, about uh, the movies. I was, uh,
4: I was in the, uh, I'm trying to even remember the name of the, with uh, oh, uh I'll get it in a second anyway. Uh, he uh, was my son. And uh, one way or the other, uh, he took me to meet his brother, who was also my son, Danny DeVito, and twins. Uh,
2: twins.
1: Yeah. Yes, <laughs> twins. <laughs> That
2: was great. That was a great movie. I remember you remembering that. You liked working with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito,
4: and uh, they they were. Both wonderful to me, and Schwarzenegger and I, Schwarzenegger, and I became very good friends, and uh, I, you know we just had a lot of fun together. Uh, and he he was very kind to me, and I learned a great deal from him. Well, as I did with well, everybody I work with, I I earned and learned a lot.
2: Well, I we was wondering. A, I was going to ask about uh two films that I really enjoyed, 10 Little Indians and There's No Business Like Show Business. Well, in 10, ten Little, little Indians, Indians, you I think you did some filming in um England on that. And I was wondering we if that
4: we were in England and we uh did a lot of it in uh, in Ireland, and it was a a very fun thing to do, and uh, then uh, we were very close, obviously, uh, to the mainland, and I went to visit, uh, well, I had met a man by the name of Norman Cousin, who was the writer of Saturday Review of Literature, and Mm -hmm. he... uh, Introduced me to a lot of people, and uh, one of them that uh, I decided to to go see was Albert Schweitzer, who was uh, had given up his uh, li- life in whatever it was uh, on the border between France and Germany. Woke up one morning and said to his wife, "We're out of here. We're going to go down." Uh, to Africa and uh, try to help the lepers, and uh, they did. And he set up this wonderful clinic down there. And I got this letter from him saying that Doctor O'Brien, this party would be welcome at any time he thought of it. Or not anyway. I went uh, back. I went down there. And spent nine very, very inspirational days with Albert Schweitzer at his place, Wow. And uh, the lepers, they were responsible for uh, powering the big war-like uh, pirogue, which is a huge uh, canoe, uh, cut out of a tree, large tree. Mm-hmm. And I sat in the back and there was a paddle there. I picked it up, started paddling with them and oh, their chant. And uh, one way or the other, uh, every evening I spent uh, two to three hours with Schweitzer in his little uh, hut cabin, whatever you want to call it, talking about any you know, any subject uh, that I wanted to. And it came time finally to go, and he stood between me and the river and the pirogue, the big canoe that was going to take me down to Lamborghini and uh, to get on the plane to come up. And he just stood there and he finally put his both hands, one on each shoulder. He said, Hugh, what are you going to do with this? And I said, I have absolutely no idea
1: oh. as there's
4: so much that I want to do. He said, well, let me know what you decide. And then I got on the plane, took three planes to get home over 30-some hours, and I used that time to put down on paper. What I wanted to do and I focused on working with uh, young people, I focused on 10th grade because uh, you are old enough to travel at that age, and you've still got Two good years in front of you before you uh, become a senior and graduate, so that you can focus on who you really are and what is it you really want to do. But yeah. along the way, yeah. please focus on getting a college education. One way or the other, it turned out to be uh, turned out to be. What it is today. We have uh, 98%, 98.6% of every high school, public and private, in the United States and 10 other countries, including Iraq, who make the program available to their sophomores in high school. And, then they and what
2: is the name? And and because of our listeners, they'll need to know the name of the project. And so I'm going to uh, to tell them it's that called, it's the Hugh O'Brien Youth Leadership Project. Am I right?
4: Yes, but it's uh, it's it's the abbreviated is the way we market it. H O B Y. hoby Hobie. Hobie. Yeah, and Yay. that's Duo Brian. Duo Brian, And the website, well, please, uh, anybody listening, I'd love to have you look at it. You can go up on Facebook or any one of those other places, but uh, hoby.org, O-R-G. Uh, that's the quickest way and the best way to look at it. And I would love very much for anybody listening to yes. become part, of, become part of that. And you can contribute uh, yourself, your time. You can make a contribution because there's nobody out there being paid. They're all volunteers. to run the program throughout this country and to other countries. Well, uh, we've been able to get the cost down. For the three four days, about one hundred and twenty five bucks a school. Wow! So that's pretty reasonable.
2: Yes, so and, and good for you to uh, to spend your time in such a way. That's why I mentioned uh, humanitarian because you certainly are. And I I will recommend to my listeners highly to go to h o b y dot o r g. And uh, learn more about your wonderful program, and to become involved. And I, I wanted also, since the time is going by, I, I wanted to uh, talk to you a little bit more about movies because I, I know that that uh, that are that's the reason our listeners tur- tune in is to hear about movies. So you had you've made a lot of westerns, and with John Wayne, you were in his last movie, The Shootist but I heard that you got injured in that movie. Could you tell our listeners about how that happened?
4: Well, number one, uh, the Duke, John Wayne, called the Duke. Uh, The first time I met him was when I was in the Marine Corps. He was down in San Diego making a film. And uh, I was going through boot camp, and one way or the other, uh, they made me a drill instructor right after boot camp at age 17. So I'm the youngest DI, the youngest drill instructor in the (laughs) entire history of the Marine Corps. Very
2: proud oh,
4: my gosh. And anyway, wow. we uh, happened to be, I had my man uh, in the auditorium for an event that was going to be taking place there. And uh, he heard that's where we were. He came to the auditorium and uh, stood there in the corner of the stage, you know, just below it. And I said, oh, my gosh. John Wayne, the Duke, and I had him come up and shook hands and he gave me a big hug and vice versa. And he said, I'll uh, I'll see you after you finish here. And I said, yes, sir. And we became really very good friends. And he was such a good, solid advisor when I got into this crazy business. And uh, a dear friend. And that's one of the great things that happened to me.
2: Yes, except, hello? Ex- yes. Hello. Uh, did you get? Did you get shot in the shootist? Is what I'm wondering. Say that in the, again. In the did did you get injured in the movie when you were making the movie, the shootist?
4: Uh, yeah, but uh. Not the way uh, people would think. Oh. There was a scene in there that, uh, well, I'm a feral dealer in the film. And the guy that was playing at my table, when this, which takes place in the film, uh, the guy... Uh, lost his hand, and he decided to get up and run out of there. But he did it. First, he took both hands and stuffed all the money he could in his pockets and ran out. Well, in the Mm. film, in the film, I, I shoot him. And at that point, uh, I know that John Wayne was the bartender and that it was very, very possible that he might kill me. Mm -hmm. So I ran, he had jumped over the bar, behind the bar, and I ran to the bar on the other side, went around the corner And in the film, uh, you'll see uh, this scene, which is one of the toughest I ever did in terms of stunts. I was known as a guy that tried or was willing to do uh, all stunts possible
1: Mm
4: if I felt that I could do it. But I would let the stuntman do the choreography and make sure that he got paid, and then if I felt that I couldn't do the stunt I did. But the one stunt that's in that film, uh, I go running up to the bar on the other side of where John Wayne had just jumped and went around the edge of the bar knowing full well that there was, he was there ready to shoot me when I came around uh, you know, the edge of the box.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Anyway, they uh, they had, which is what you were supposed to do, so they had this, uh, they wanted to actually know if it. I said, I'll volunteer to actually do it and do the shot so that you actually can see it hitting me. And they said, you're crazy. And I said, yeah, I am, but... I'm willing to try. And you've got a very good mark here as the head stuntman. So I had marked the edge of the bar as I came around. I had marked it on my side so that if I hit my marks right, I was within about an eighth of an inch, sixteenth of an inch of where my head was supposed to be, My forehead, and the guy with the gun, uh, alongside of the uh, camera. When I came around, I was uh, right on the mark, and he fired his gun, and you'll actually see it hit hit me in the film.
1: Oh, that
4: was that was one of the most stupid stunts I've done. But uh, oh, it, it it made its point.
2: I guess so. Well, it was kind of dangerous, and and uh, that was a fabulous movie. I mean, uh, I, I I really thought that was one of my my favorites of of John Wayne. But I'm I'm sorry you got you you had that uh, that bad uh, experience there. But what about Wyatt Earp? We can't let you go without having you tell us a little bit about uh, how Wyatt Earp, that wonderful TV series, impacted your career and your life. Is that the biggie for you?
4: Well, I I was one of about ten people or more that they were considering for the role. And a man by the name of Stuart Lake, who uh, wrote the book on Wyatt uh actually knew him, and Stuart was the uh, the writer on on our show uh, the Wyatt Earp series and when they started cashing around uh for it. He, having been a former Marine himself, felt that it couldn't possibly be any better done than by an actual Marine. And so I wound up getting the role and uh, also at, at a price they could afford. And the producers, who I always want to thank again, for having my career take off. Lou Edelman and Robert Sisk for hiring me. And uh, one way or the other, there was a, a guy that came on the set by the name of Ned Butline, And uh, one way or the other, he... Had this fifteen-inch uh, gun made up by Colt, mm-hmm.
1: and
4: uh, his name was uh, his name was uh, oh uh, Ned Buntline. and he he is he earned his living by writing those what they used to call penny dreadfuls. They were little
1: uh,
4: uh, three-by-five-inch or four-by-six-inch little uh, comedy books. They were very, Mm -hmm. very prevalent in those days. And he uh, had this gun made up by Colt, uh, and he gave it uh, to me, uh, which I appreciated, but I didn't want to do with any of his stories, so basically I, I kept the bun line and I ran him out of town. And that <laughs> the bun line special is, uh, well, you can't miss it on the show. It made its own reputation, and <laughs> he wore it in his, on his right hip. But never fired with it. It was always there just to hit people over the head uh, if there was any kind of a confrontation. And his quick draw, his ability with that was tremendous, and he used his uh, he used the left hand pistol, the two holsters. Uh, Gun holstered, and became uh, pretty good, and came very, very fast, and uh, I got enough. I was under contract Universal at the time. And oh, I see. There was a guy by the name of Audie Murphy, who was on contract. Oh yes. Contract. And Audie was quite a character. He was a major hero
1: in the war.
4: And he wound up on a contract. And I got this reputation of being the fastest on the draw. So he, in front of a lot of people, including producers and directors, stood up and challenged me to a quick draw. Really? Really? And I said, well, sure. He said, he said yes, but I insist that we can use live ammunition. <sighs> and I said, well, you better get yourself another guy. Uh, <laughs> that's, that sure is not going to work. And uh, one way or the other, uh, we finally did do... Uh, the quick draw between us, uh, but without uh, live ammunition, and that was the, that was a fun. See,
2: we well, who did? did? Who won? Hey, pardon? Who won the who quick won? draw?
4: Well, we did it three times. Uh, I won two of them. All right. Oh, he won, won one. Good.
2: I, You know, Hugh, we're just about out of time, and I can't tell you how much I have enjoyed talking with you. I want to tell our listeners that so many of these behind-the-scenes uh Stories are in your wonderful memoir, Hugh O'Brien, or what's left of him. And I wonder if we could call on Virginia to tell us a little bit about where our listeners can uh, can get the book. I, I've heard so many wonderful things. Uh, people are saying well, it's you... fast paced, insightful, humorous, entertaining. It's just a um, something that movie addicts uh, it's, uh, should must read. So where where shall they go to get the get the book, Virginia?
5: Okay, they can um, always be asking their local bookstores to order it for them. They can go online to Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com and order it. And if they would like to get it autographed by Hugh, the only way to do that is to catch up with Hugh at a book signing or Uh to go to Hugh's um, personal memorabilia website, which is HughObrien.me. H U G H O B R I A N dot M E. So and oh. lower And they can order the book uh through us and then Hugh will personalize it. But if um they want to get it in real fast, I mean they can just order it through Amazon dot com or Borings dot com. Well i One way
2: or the other know. uh one way or the other
4: I'll be happy to uh Sign the book personally to them, or they may want to give it to their dad or whoever, I'd be happy to do as many as they want me to do. But also, uh, I will...
5: Um, Let me explain, on the website, there are 8 by 10 photographs of Hugh, color ones and black and white ones, and they may want to take a look at it in order um, one of the pictures, order a book also. So they should take a look at it and see what is for sale.
2: Oh, and I, I think that's a great idea, and I understand that the photos in the book are just uh, great, too. So I, I have to – I'm so sorry that our time is up. And But before you both go, uh, Hugh, thank you for being such a great guest, and, and Virginia for being with us, too, and both of you – uh, well, I guess you co-wrote the autobiography, and so I want to thank both of you for doing that. We uh, Movie addicts like me just love books like that, and what a fun and entertaining talk we've had. I encourage our listeners to check out your book as soon as possible, and I want to say best wishes from all of us here at Movie Addict uh, headquarters, and um, I hope that, that, that this has been in, as enjoyable for you as it has been for me. And of course, that uh, yeah, we'll cut up yeah, there. Yeah,
4: and, we, and I look forward to uh, to meeting you. Oh, Are
2: you married? Same here. Same here. Are you married? And, uh, and we will uh, and we will send you a link to this uh, interview as soon as it is uh, airing uh, live. So I'll send it over to Harlan. Will that be all right? Uh, and then he'll send it on to you, Virginia. Send it
4: on. Yeah. Well, however you want to do it. You can get it to me directly, and uh, one way or the other, uh, I'll be happy to not only sign it, but I'd like to have you maybe come and pick it up, have lunch with us.
2: <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I'm going to have to have to uh, work on teleportation for that. I'm out here in Pueblo, Colorado. <laughs> so. What a wonderful invitation from you O'Brien folks that that surprised me and delighted me and of course my husband and I would love to have lunch with Hugh and Virginia and you if you're listening. All of us here at Movie Addict Headquarters wish you a very happy 90th birthday. And I think we do have uh, James uh, Colt Harrison, who's been uh, on the line for the entire show. And I wonder if he'll come in for just a second and um, uh, give his reaction to this interview. James, are you there? I'm still here, yes. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs>
0: so uh, what uh, did you learn anything new? Well, yes. Uh, actually, he told you a few stories that he didn't tell us when we were at his home, and it was a it was a thrilling afternoon of, of four hours, as I've told you. And it was, uh, I think that's the most time I've ever spent with a movie star, and it was delightful.
2: <laughs> oh well, I, I'm I'm so happy that you had that opportunity, and still jealous. But at least I did get a a luncheon invitation. Well, <laughs> I see our time is. Almost up now, so I want to give a big shout out to Hugh and Virginia for being such terrific guests, and to Diana and James for calling in, and special thanks to the folks at Blog Talk Radio for their support, and to Nikki for everything she does for Movie Addict Headquarters, as well as to our chatters and other uh, listeners. Uh, we did have uh, Nancy Lombardo in the chat room, and Cat Vecchioni from World Talk Rock here on. Uh, blog talk radio i i hope everyone enjoyed the show and i want to encourage all the listeners to check out some other shows including comedy concepts and i mentioned that that's hosted by the hilarious nancy lombardo right here on blog talk radio every monday and friday morning at 10:30 eastern time the mom and pop shop show You shouldn't miss that one either, hosted by Mr. Showbiz himself, George Bettinger, on Dreamstream Radio every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Plus, all the diverse shows on the Wacko Radio Network here on BTR. There's something for everybody in the Wacko Wheelhouse. Please come back next time for another lively discussion about movies. And in the meantime... Don't forget to check out our film reviews at RealtalkReviews.com. That's R-E-E-L, RealtalkReviews.com. That's all for today, folks. But in honor of Hugh O'Brien's birthday, and because he absolutely loves show business, let's go out with a special song dedicated to him. And I think you've guessed what it is. Get ready, everybody, for... Hooray for Hollywood!